not that short. <laughs> Good morning. Is this on? Can anybody hear me? Good? Okay. Good morning and welcome to our service this morning. Let's all stand and sing. If you're still coming in and finding a seat, no worries. We're going to get going here. If the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and burdens seem great all the whole day through, there's a silver lining that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see it, my friend. Trust in his promises grand. Sing and be happy, press on to the goal. Trust him who leads you, he will keep your soul. Let all be faithful, look to him and pray. Lift your voice and praise him in song. Sing and be happy today. Amen. We will get the song slides figured out here in a second. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, we'll sing verse 2 sitting down. That's fine. <laughs> Often we are troubled and tired, sick with sorrow and pain. There are others living in sin, blessed with earthly gain. Take new courage, we cannot tell what the morrow may bring. When the dark clouds vanish away, then your heart truly can sing. Sing and be happy, press on to the goal. Trust him who leads you, he will keep your soul. Let all be faithful, look to him and pray. Lift your voice and praise him in song. Sing and be happy today. Oft we fail to see the rainbow up in heaven's fair sky. When it seems the fortunes of earth frown and pass us by. There are things we know that are worth more than silver and gold. If we hope and trust him each day, we shall have pleasure untold. Sing and be happy, press on to the goal. Trust him who leads you, he will keep your soul. Let all be faithful, look to him and pray. Lift your voice and praise him in song. Sing and be happy today. Wind it there. Amen. All right. Good morning. I greet you as well, and especially those online as well. We're thankful for uh, the online presence, but also the presence that you are bringing this morning. Uh, if you're still coming in or trying to figure out seating, we're trying to make sure we're abiding by space, and so it's every other pew, and then especially with large family units, we can be together, and that's just fine. Why are you here this morning? I'm sure we all come with a variety of reasons. You know, the Lord, when he did his creation, he took the seventh day and rested. And we know that 
He's asked us to do the same. A part of our life cycle, he's asked us to rest. And that's a physical thing. But he's also provided another rest. And I think that's part of why we've gathered this morning, is to participate in the spiritual rest that he's given us. He says, come to me, all you are uh, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's a spiritual rest. And this morning we gathered together to be reminded what Christ has done for us that we can have rest. We can rest in him and that our walk with him is not a wearisome thing. It's his grace and his love that he extends to us that we are able to celebrate this morning. And may we provide that rest with each other. May we be part of that strength to help us uh, in our spiritual walk together. This morning we just celebrate what Christ has done and we encourage each other for what he's done as well. Let's pray. Father, we've gathered this morning so thankful that we can have rest for what Christ has done for us, that we can rest in that and know that uh, our walk with you is not a wearisome thing, that you've provided, uh, you've taken away the wearisomeness of life and our spiritual walk, and you've given us your love and your grace and your mercy. And this morning we give you praise and honor for that. And Father, may we also be a part of that rest with each other. May we not burden each other, but may we each provide that strength that we need. We're thankful, Father, that we can come together this morning, that we can worship, uh, that we can encourage, and that we can also think about what Christ has done for us as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine. We pray your blessings upon this time. In Christ we pray. Amen. My bad. I don't have a cue card. <clears throat> uh, let's stand again for this song. Over all the earth you reign on high, every mountain stream and every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you'd reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again over every thought, over every word. May my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. Cause you mean more to me than any earthly thing. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me. Reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So once you reign in me again, you are the Lord of all I am. So once you reign in me again.
As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield, to you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you King, I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You desire and I long to worship you. I want you more than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit desire and I long to worship you. Amen. Be seated. At this time, the children are dismissed to head right out this door to our children's worship. And we'll go to the next song here. Next song. We can click to the next one. Maybe not. Can I do that? Oh, all right. Come thou fount of every blessing. Hold on, that's going to be way too high. <clears throat> Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure 
safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Amen. I know that it says that we're going to have our scripture reading right now, but what we're actually going to do first is uh, we're going to take a moment to rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, today, we are recognizing that Aaron Brott is going to be graduating, or has graduated, this weekend? Today. Today, today is her graduation day uh, from George Fox University. She's put in a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of time and hours, probably more than any of us could imagine, unless you are, in fact, a, a nurse. Uh, the number of hours she's put in to be able to receive uh, the, the degree that she's receiving. And there are a lot of benefits that are going to come with this in her ministry to the people that she encounters on a daily basis. Uh, we, as a congregation, want to rejoice with Aaron and Jesse because for them as a couple, this is a big day. Uh, this is going to change a lot of things for them as far as uh, how life looks in the near term. And so we want to recognize this morning, we're actually going to have you guys come up uh, because the elders are going to go ahead and say a prayer for you. And uh, I'm going to invite the elders up as well. I'm going to put my mask on since we'll all be kind of close. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for the work that you're going to be doing. Uh, you, can, you guys can come up here. We're going to pray for Aaron. We're going to pray for Jesse. We're going to pray for the, the work that uh, lies ahead of them how their marriage and how, uh, how their careers will be a blessing uh, to the work that God has called them to. And so I believe, Sean? The same and, then Don. and then Don. <laughs> All right. First, I want to say, uh, Aaron, thank you for, and Jesse, but uh, we started with Aaron and then Jesse came <laughs> along. Uh, it was so impressive that, you know, in your schoolwork and being away from home, it'd be easy just to slip through the cracks, not be part of a church family. And we're thankful that the two of you have joined us as part of a church family. And we know, we don't know where you're going to go from here, but we're thankful that you invested in us, that you um, saw the importance of community and uh, being a part of God's people. And, and hopefully we blessed you in this journey. Uh, we're part of the strength to help you succeed. And, uh, but we uh, are thankful that your willingness, you were willing to be part of us as well. And that blessed us. And obviously it was a blessing to have Jesse join us as well and, and helping with worship and, and so on. So we're thankful for what you've done for us, and we certainly pray the best for you uh, in the future. Don's now going to lead a prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we are all so grateful uh, that you make us family, you make us one, you make us a body. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, the way the church can work. 
And we are so grateful for the uh, training that you've given Erin. Uh, boy, from the time she was little, she learned about you and about your son and about your church. And she used that learning and went to a Christian school. And we're grateful for the training she got at George Fox. And she's learned a lot of good things there that she can use to help people and to shine the light of Jesus throughout this community or whatever community she's in. Uh, she can be a powerful, powerful force to teach people about your son Jesus and the way to live. And we're uh, grateful that she's been a part of this church. Uh, she's been a part of other churches, but we are so grateful that uh, growing up she learned about you and that she's been here to bless us and to shine your light here. And we're grateful for this couple. We're grateful for Jesse, and we're so glad that they're walking through life the way that you've taught us as one and as a body. And uh, we pray that you'll bless them with good health and with good jobs and with uh, a good life that you have laid out for them and that they'll always follow your pathway. Again, we hope that they'll always know that they're always a part of the Church of Christ in Newburgh, uh, whether they're living in Newburgh or wherever you lead them next. Uh, but we're so grateful that they've been a part of us. And right now we just really pray that you and the Holy Spirit will always fill them and always lead them through this life. Thank you for them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Uh, again, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. May God bless the reading of his word. All right. This morning, whoa, I'm in, coming in hot on this mic this morning. This morning, we're looking at the book of Romans. Uh, we have done a, a series of lessons looking at various times in the history of God's people, going all the way back to the book of Exodus, uh, taking a look at the time of the exile. Last week, Kyle shared with us from uh, the end of the book of Luke, the beginning of the book of Acts, and this transitional period that happens after the crucifixion and, and the resurrection and before the day of Pentecost. And we've talked about how all of these moments in scripture serve as something of a regrouping. We've discussed how in some ways we can maybe learn lessons for ourselves, for our congregation, in a time where we are maybe moving from being a little bit scattered to being brought back together. And if there is one book in the New Testament that really kind of encapsulates the idea that Christians can sometimes be taken apart from one another and find a little bit of difficulty meshing well when they come back together, the book of Romans is it. 
I want to I want to begin this morning by telling you that there are things that we are doing right now that maybe help us come back together and find ourselves in enmeshed again, uh, finding ourselves in in harmony and unity with one another, uh, pursuing the common goals that the church is called to. Uh, we have a number of things that have recently started, some things that are going on, uh, ongoing through our, our history. Uh, we have a Zoom class that's going on right now that Kyle is doing that's about mentoring our teens. Uh, you may be thinking, there is no one in this world that I feel more distant and different from than a teenager. Well, they probably feel the same way about you. Uh, the good news is, if you want to understand the teenagers in our congregation, Kyle, Kyle has a kind of touchstone there. Now, uh, he, he can share some information with you on how to connect with the kids that are in our youth group here uh, and encourage you to grow in the opportunity to be a mentor to those teenagers, uh, individuals who are uh, growing and, and maturing in their own faith who could benefit from the years of wisdom that you've received. Uh, and in some of you, that's many years of wisdom. We're also looking forward to July and to our VBS program. There are a lot of opportunities for us as a congregation to bless and support the children in our congregation, but also in our community. Uh, Kyle and Norma have put together a lot of uh, really thoughtful uh, material ways in which we will engage the children in our community in safe ways that you know conform with the the requirements that we have uh, given to us by by our own uh, government. And so we want to encourage you if you are looking for an opportunity to connect and find yourself unified with the congregation, a good way to do that would be to become involved in VBS. Uh, the dates are up there. There's going to be a preview day coming up before too long, and uh, we'll be sharing more about the theme and some of the uh, uh, ways in which we're going to do VBS different this year. We also have a Wednesday night class that we're doing that is uh, from various speakers from the Restoration Movement backgrounds. Uh, it's called the Unity Project. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the ways in which we learn unity and other qualities that lead towards unity from the master, uh, Jesus himself. And so I encourage you, if you haven't, haven't been to class in a while on Wednesday night, we're meeting in person and online. And uh, much the way that we follow some guidelines for masks and social distancing in person on Sunday morning, we're doing the same for our Wednesday night class. But you can be here for those conversations, for the lessons we're hearing in the discussion that follows. And I might actually make it through more of our, than three of our uh, discussion questions this week. So um, encourage you to keep in mind our Wednesday night class that happens at seven o'clock. We also have a, an additional small group that's going on right now. It's our Harmony small group. This is not the only small group that we have going on, though. We also have a small group on Tuesday night. Uh, Bob Lubin has led a small group through most of the quarantine, uh, the, the COVID issues. Um, he's on hiatus right now, but planning to resume that before too long. Uh, there are a lot of small groups that are meeting in person. Um, and we'd encourage you, if you are looking for an opportunity to connect to the body of Christ and find unity with one another, pursue those opportunities. Um, th there's a lot there. There are a lot of things that you could be doing to find connection with one another. Uh, we are not, fortunately, like the, uh, the Jews who were kicked out of Rome for a period of time, which is where we actually find ourselves as we discuss the book of Romans this morning. 
We don't know how long exactly the Jews were required to leave Rome. We know that it was at least five years, and depending on the source that you, you consult, it could have been up to a decade that they were required to leave their homes in, in Rome and go be somewhere else. This included Roman Jewish Christians, and it included those who were just simply practicers of the, the ancient faith of the Israelite people. But they were required to leave, and it was because they were seen as troublemakers. Uh, in some cases, it was because certain individuals had started following a particular Christus or Christus or Christ, and they did so with so much zeal that people in Rome became very worried about what might result from this belief in this faith. We don't know all the details of what they did to earn this eviction, although we can definitely look at history and see that oftentimes the Jews were evicted for no good reason from the places that they happened to be. What we do know is that a church had formed in Rome that was comprised of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Two groups of people from ethnically different backgrounds, whose day-to-day -day life might have looked very different from one another, who ate different things, who said their prayers in different languages, who practiced a lot of the, the, the laws and ceremonial traditions of the Old Testament, or didn't practice those things. And early in the church, when this church first formed, there was certainly a, a sense in which, well, we're going to go along with the, the Jewish people because they know what they're doing. This is their faith that we are inheriting. And isn't it wonderful that Christ brought us into this faith, that we can now continue the story of salvation that God has been telling through the Israelite people. But when they left, when the Jews left Rome, when they were evicted, kicked out, forced to leave, the Gentiles had to carry on. These young individuals in their faith who didn't know the traditions, who didn't know the customs, who hadn't ever really known what it meant to actually observe the Sabbath, these people who were not as children subjected to circumcision, and fortunately they had heard from the group in Jerusalem that they didn't have to do that as adults, but what do we do about our children as they're born? You know, there's a, we've, we've grown up buying the cheap meat that's cast aside from the sacrifices made to idols because the idols don't consume the meat, so it's sold at a discount in the, the markets. Do we keep doing that or not? And so they make some decisions, and they make those decisions based on their good conscience. What's agreeable with the Spirit? Well, we know as Christians that we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, that we have the protection of the Father who, who will provide us with safety, no matter what the power behind those idols might be. And so meat is just meat, and we're going to eat it. You know, we, we weren't raised under the old law, and so we don't know all of the feasts and observances of the Israelite people, so we can't really observe them in the way that they would have observed them. So we're not going to try. And when the Jews come back, what they find is a very different church than the one that they left. And in fact, they find themselves to be, in many ways, two bodies. 
two different groups of people. You've got strong Jewish Christians who are returning to strong Gentile Christians, and their ideas about what it takes to be a Christian are sometimes in competition with one another. And Paul hears about this. Now, Paul has been associated with Roman Christians, Christians from Rome, Jewish Roman Christians, in fact, Priscilla and Aquila. And he hears reports back from them. And most of the reports have been pretty good, but he's concerned for them. And so he writes them a letter. And sometimes we read the book of Romans and we forget it is not a theology textbook. It's a letter to Christians who have real problems and real issues that they're trying to work through. And Paul writes this book as a pastoral letter to a group of people who are desperately in need of unity in spite of their differences. And he, he tells them this, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul begins, really, after having reminded them who he is and his affection for them and his love and desire to come and see them, he, he begins by telling them, I am thankful for all of you. The book begins with him affirming that I'm not just thankful for the Jewish Christians in your midst. I'm not just thankful for the Gentile Christians in your midst. My prayers aren't offered up for one or the other of those. It's offered up for all of you. I have affection and fondness for all of you. But more than that, I love you. I want what is best for the church in Rome, and that is all of you. These are Paul's opening words, his proclamation of what he's about. He's not on one side or the other in this case. He is on the side of God's people. And then he begins to lay out a very, very beautiful uh, series of theological statements that, that help us understand that there was a state in which humanity found themselves before the law. And all people had rejected God and as a result, had found themselves in positions where they were the targets of the wrath of God. And then the law came along, and God, God provided for a particular group of people things that would please him, that if they did these things, they would in fact be set apart from the nations that participated in wickedness. But God didn't, God didn't set them apart because they followed the law. He set them apart before they had followed the law. He talks about Abraham and he says, you know, Abraham, Abraham was circumcised after God chose him. He was God's chosen person before he began doing the things that God had asked him to do. But Abraham acted out of faith. He did the things that God called him to do out of faith. He behaved in particular ways out of faith. He did what he thought or believed was right. He obeyed God because he had faith in God. And Paul outlines all of this. The, the verse up on the screen we're going to get to here in a moment. But he outlines all of this. Go, go and read like the first six chapters of the book of Romans and see what Paul is doing there. He's not, 
He's not arguing from the history of the world for the sake of creating abstract theological thought. He's arguing towards a point. He says, look, all of humanity was pretty hopeless. But then God began working in a group of people, and he gave them a law, and he gave them customs, and he worked through them towards a specific point. Now, let's be clear. The law didn't save anybody. Faith saved them. And they obeyed the law because of faith, and God gave them the law because the law was good. But even with a law, a clear written set of instructions about what God expected of people and how he intended for them to be different from the world around them, many of those people who were under the law still struggled to keep it. In fact, all people under the law still struggled to keep it. But they had faith. And Paul arrives at the current situation. And he begins to address the people in Rome. He talks about the issues that they're facing as a group of people. And he says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Paul says, look, all this that I've told you, it's, it's difficult for us to see it as anything other than the story of a world that is broken. And it's not just people who experience this, but creation itself has experienced the brokenness that results from the sin of mankind. I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so he says, look, there's something better coming along. And in fact, Paul, I believe, believes that something better has already arrived. That it is something that Christians can experience in the moment in which they find themselves. Paul is telling them all that stuff that we've talked about, the hopelessness of humanity, the sin that has caused them tremendous trouble, the law that they couldn't keep, all of that is something that has come before in expectation of the thing that we now embrace as Christians. But Paul senses that there's a problem within the church in Rome, that they have lost sight of the good news that comes with this, this new and wonderful thing, this glory that's to be revealed. In 8, verse 31 through 35, he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, and he uses this term, us, inclusive, everyone within the church. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God 
who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he goes on to say, for we know that we've, we, we face death all day like sheep at the slaughter, right? No. In all this, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. See, in the, in the Roman church, there's kind of an us and them mentality that Paul is wanting to address. There are those guys on the right-hand side of the auditorium and those guys on the left-hand side of the auditorium. Or maybe for our present time, there are those that are in person and there are those that are online. Or there are those that want to wear the mask and those that don't want to wear the mask. There are those that, those that don't want to come back to in person yet and those who want everything to be the way they were before. There's us and there's them. I think if Paul were to answer this question, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can separate us from the love of God? If the answer is nothing outside of ourselves, all these tribulations and trials that we face, why are we so intent on telling our brothers and sisters, you know, the choices that you make about things that have nothing to do with our faith, those are separating you from the body of Christ. This is, of all the regroup sermons, the hardest one to preach because the other ones are all about how excited people were to be back together and on mission again and doing the things that they're supposed to do. But this one is not about us finding ourselves glad to do the things that we're called to do. See, the, the Roman church got back together and instead of being on mission, instead of being involved in one another's lives, instead of embracing the opportunity for fellowship with one another, they found themselves bickering about things that were adjacent to the faith, but not really ultimately about the faith. And the unity that they were created for was something that they threw out the window for things that didn't really matter. Now, I don't want to trivialize these things. I, I know I just said they don't really matter. I want to step back from that for a second because, you see, when I was having a conversation with another minister a little while back, he said, you know, the church is never going to be unified again. We've been completely divided over masks or no masks, over Democrat or Republican, over Trump or never Trump. We've been so divided that there is no coming back. We will not find unity again. And I said, that's not true. I had literally just finished doing the Book of Romans with our Wednesday night class. So if you've been in our Wednesday night class, I apologize because you're getting a rehash of like seven weeks worth, or eight weeks, 12 weeks worth of material. Charles will call me on that. It's probably 22 or something like that. I said, that's not true. The church has always had these moments where they're, they're divided over things that, in retrospect, don't seem like that big a deal. And he said, yeah, but those things were different. These things really matter. 
He said, you don't think that for a Jewish Christian, whether or not the Sabbath is to be observed didn't matter? You don't think that for a Roman Christian, the question of whether or not their child needed to be circumcised mattered? You don't think that it mattered to them whether or not certain customs and traditions of the Israelite faith were carried over into the church? This was not just their cultural identity. It was their faith. And I want to say right now, this morning, for us, the issues that we are facing as a church in finding unity with one another over masks, vaccines, who we vote for in an election, they don't feel like it, but those are the trivial things. They don't matter nearly as much as the faith that the Israelites had grown up in and were transitioning into this new way of being. And, and the truth is, Paul doesn't necessarily tell them, you have to give up the old things to move on to the new things. But that also means your brothers don't have to adopt the old things and stop eating meat sacrificed to idols. So I want to I read a little further here. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, outside of the church, these people had very specific thoughts about who the others were. You are a Jewish person, and I cannot possibly tolerate your atheism. Okay, I want to be clear. The, the Romans saw the Jews as atheists because they only believed in one God. How in the world can you only believe in one God? There are so many to worship. But now they've been not conformed to the way of the world. They've been conformed to Christ. And the way in which they regard one another is equally supposed to be conformed. See, the, the discussions, the arguments, the, the differences that we have with one another, the things that I see certain individuals posting about one another on Facebook, those are things that are conformed to the way of the world. Those are the things that we need to push aside and give up. And I'm guilty of it myself. Like, I like to be right. I like for people to affirm the things that I say. I like for people to, uh, to be able to say, yes, you know, Chris is super intelligent and we should listen to everything that he says. And when someone says that I'm wrong, I get defensive. And my initial reaction, in fact, uh, Josh Rockwell and I were talking about this. I used to umpire baseball. And fortunately, I could keep a pretty cool demeanor on the outside when a coach would come to me and tell me that I had made the wrong call. And I'd say, well, I'm sorry, I am the umpire. It's the call I made. If you don't like the call, you know, we can discuss it at the end of the game. Right now is not the time for an argument. And usually it made them angrier. This, I, I told them it's the heaping of the burning coals on top of the head because what the coach really wants is a fight with the umpire, right? 
On the inside, I'm not thinking, it's okay, we'll get to the end of the game and everything will be all right. I'm thinking, you're an idiot. You don't have the perspective to understand the call I made. I'm the umpire. Don't you see the shirt I'm wearing? We think like that in our personal lives so often. And then we encounter someone who is a part of the same body that we are, and we find ourselves filled with anger towards them. We find ourselves so full of, of passion for the wrong thing. And we use the wrong words and we talk to and about each other in ways that are completely unbecoming of a member of the body of Christ. I've got the wrong references at the top of some of these slides. I apologize. This is what Paul says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And that's my problem. That's my problem. Sometimes I think of myself too highly. I think that the opinion that I hold has to be the right one or, or, or I'm wrong about everything. But what Paul argues in the book of Romans is that we all hold a lot of opinions about a lot of things. And some of those things are pretty significant to us as individuals. But that doesn't make them something that's essential for our salvation. Our opinions don't change the truth that the thing that saves us is the grace of God and our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. My opinion about whether or not someone should get the vaccine or whether or not someone should uh, uh, keep people out of their home for quarantine's sake, my opinion about who you should vote for in an election, those things are my opinions. And they matter to me, but they should matter far less than my relationship with you as my brother or sister in Christ. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, members one of another. And so Paul brings up those issues that we talked about. He talks about submission to authorities, which for a, a group of Jewish Christians who have been exiled by those same authorities for a, a five to ten year period of time, that's a pretty, pretty tall order. You want me to submit to the people that took me away from my home. You want me to submit to the people who have caused me trouble and trial and grief that really they're the instigators of all the problems that we have. You want me to submit to them? Paul says, well, hey, submit to those authorities. They're there for a reason. We don't have anything to fear from them. 
of course, Paul has an eternal mindset, right? If I die because the authorities put me to death, well, I've, I've found my reward. But if I'm doing the right thing, there's nothing that they can take away from me. He tells them love is the fulfillment of the law. And if you can't love your brother, it doesn't matter how many of the regulations you keep. It doesn't matter how many of the, the boxes you can check on the feasts you've kept and the Sabbaths you've observed and the number of passages of Torah that you can recite line by line. Love is the fulfillment of the law and how you love your brother matters more than how well you have observed the customs of the Jewish people. And then he talks about the, the weak and the strong, and he gets down to the heart of the matter with the eating of meat sacrificed to idols. And this is apparently the really big one in the church there, because there are some who believe that if you're eating the meat sacrificed to the idols, you are associating yourself with those religions. And, and how could you possibly do that? Don't you don't know the demonic forces that lie behind those idols that have been sacrificed to? And there are others that say, it's just cheap meat. And Paul says to this crowd over here, yes, you are the strong ones. You're strong. And these guys over here, maybe they're a little bit weak because they, they are falling into the old customs. And they're married to the law in some way. But they're doing it out of the conviction of their conscience. They're doing it because they want to be right, even if that means finding themselves limited. Yes, you have great liberty in Christ to do that which you're doing. Do it in your home. That's fine. Invite your like-minded brothers and sisters to join you in the meat that you're eating. When you're around your weaker brother, do what is best for your weaker brother. This whole idea of the weaker and the stronger brother gets abused a lot. I apologize, I'm running long today. But I got a lot I want to say. This idea of the weaker and stronger brother gets abused a lot, and it oftentimes allows someone to say, well, I'm the weaker brother. Do what it is that I want you to do for me so that I don't stumble. But if you here's the problem. If you recognize that you're the weaker brother, you're recognizing that the stronger brother is right about something. But if you say, I am the stronger brother, and then you don't support your weaker brother, if you don't provide care and caution and concern for them, you're just as much at fault as the guy who claims to be the weaker brother, knowing full well he just doesn't want to move forward. I have way too much I want to say, so I'm, I'm going to cut some of my sermon here. This is what Paul says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. In other words, Christ bore the cross and the shame of the cross for us. The least we can do is bear with the failings 
at least the perceived failings of our brothers and sisters in Christ for their good, not for our own good, for their good. Paul encourages the Roman church, if you really want unity, if what you really want is to be one body made of many members in Christ, give up yourself. Care less about what's good for you and care more about what's good for your brother. And I've not perfected that. I don't know of many people who have, but this is what I'm convicted about this morning. This is after weeks upon weeks, maybe half a year of dealing with the book of Romans, the message that I need to hear today. Bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us please, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So when we think about this, we think of Jew and Gentile, right? This is the group that Paul is addressing, the paying taxes versus those not paying taxes. We think about those who are eating kosher and those who are not eating kosher. We think about the circumcision and the uncircumcision. And while we look at these things and we think, yeah, those aren't nearly as big as the problems and the divisions we face today, I'm going to tell you right now, go back and really think about that for a little bit and ask yourself, are the things we are divided about as big as a person's entire ethnic and religious identity prior to their coming to Christ? We are not the circumcised or the uncircumcised. We are not those who eat kosher and those who do not eat kosher. We are not any of those things. Instead, what we are is we are many members of one body. And we may look a little different, and we may think differently about some things that ultimately will not matter upon the return of Christ. But if we can't find a way to be one body, we are not the body of Christ. I want to pray about this this morning. Our Father in heaven, outside of our doors is a world that is drastically divided on almost every front. They are confused about their identity. They are confused about what's important. They are confused and in opposition to one another about nearly every issue that is faced. And we stand the risk of being conformed to the image of the world. But I believe that your spirit is more powerful than the image of the world. I believe that the one that we serve is greater than the powers and principalities of this world. I believe that your spirit is capable of changing our hearts and conforming us to the image of your son. Father, in the same way that he laid down what was important uh, to him, his own life, he made his own life less important to himself that we might benefit. Help us to do the same. Help us to be conformed to the image of your son so that we might be one body made of many members 
Help us to embrace the reality that we will continue to be different people, but we will be unified in purpose. Forgive us when we fail at this and give us the strength to do better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to invite our children back in for worship at this time, uh, and we will move towards the Lord's Supper. Let's stand and sing. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Amen. These next two songs, let's start preparing our hearts and our minds to take the Lord's Supper and remember the amazing sacrifice that Jesus uh, made for us and the chance that we have to be with him forever in heaven. <clears throat> Oh, the bitter pain and sorrow that a time could ever be when I proudly said to Jesus, 
all of self and none of thee, all of self and none of thee, all of self and none of thee. When I proudly said to Jesus, all of self and none of thee, yet he found me, I beheld him bleeding on the cursed tree, and my wistful heart said faintly, some of self and some of thee, some of self and some of thee, some of self and some of thee. And my wistful heart said faintly, some of self and some of thee. Day by day, his tender mercy, healing, helping, full and free, brought me lower while I whispered, less of self and more of thee, less of self and more of thee, less of self and more of thee, brought me lower while I whispered, less of self and more of thee, higher than the highest heavens, deeper than the deepest sea. Lord, thy love at last has conquered none of self and all of thee, none of self and all of thee, none of self and all of thee. Lord, thy love at last has conquered none of self and all of thee. I hear my Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, I'll lay my trophies down, all down at Jesus' feet. 
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Let me see. This morning, for communion, I'd like for us to read a little bit out of uh, 1 John. 1 John, starting with chapter 4, verse 7. And it reads, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So the question is, do you love your brother? It's easy for us to love our own flesh and blood. It's easy for me to love my son, my daughter, and especially to love my wife. But the real question comes down to, how much do I love one of you? Am I willing to lay my life down for you? Jesus did that. He laid his life down for me and you. I think this is one of the most important things to really to understand. What it means to lay down your life for someone else. When we spent some time in Africa... A faraway country. You know, Jesus laid his life down for those folks as well. And it comes back home. Am I willing to give my life for one of those folks? Now it gets heavy. But Jesus did that. Jesus did that. We have, I'm sure we've all received this little cup. It has a wafer on it, and it has juice. 
this wafer representing that body of Jesus on that cross. That he hung on that cross, endured the pain for only one reason, for you. And we take this bread in remembrance of his body. So let's go ahead and peel that stuff off to open the, the cup to get that little wafer that represents our Lord and Savior's body. Will you pray with me, please? Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning thanking you, Lord, for, for you, God, for loving us so much that you sent your Son to die on that cross, to endure that pain for all of us. We take this bread in remembrance of him. And we thank you, Lord, for that privilege to do so. And I ask these things in your son's most precious name. Amen. And then, when the apostles were gathered around the table, and Jesus was sat around with them and broke bread, and he asked to do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup, and what did he say? He took the cup and said, this is an emblem, this is a reminder of the blood that I have sacrificed for you. So we take this juice in remembrance of that blood that our Savior lost on that cross. Let's pray for that. Dear God, we come before you now once again, thanking you, Lord, for this fruit of the swine representing the blood that your Son shed upon that cross. I just pray, Lord, that you be with each one of us this morning, not only here in Newburgh, but throughout the world. That the world can see the sacrifice that your son made for all of us. And as we partake of this fruit of the vine, remembrance of that blood that flowed upon that cross. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege you've given us to remember your son. And it's his name we pray. Amen. We're going, after we have uh, had the cup, there'll be an uh, announcement on uh, an opportunity to give. And we, I want us to come to our Lord this, this morning at this time to thank us. Thank him for how he has blessed us so much. Will you pray with me once again? Lord, we come before you 
once again thanking you, Lord, for the privilege that you've given us to be able to, uh, to work, to earn an income. And now, Lord, I just pray that you be with us, that we have been able to open our, pocket, our pocketbooks to give back to you what you so, so desire and so need us to give. It's not that uh, we need to give you so you can give because you have given everything and we need to share that. I thank you for that privilege, Lord, and, and uh, for giving us so much, so much more than what we need. So walk with us, Lord, in these things I ask in your son's name. Amen. Again, if you're willing and able, let's stand for this last song. <clears throat> this is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, His hand the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world, the birds their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. This is my Father's world, He shines in all that's fair, in the rustling grass I hear him pass, he speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world, oh let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems of so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Let me see you. We've been challenged this morning, and I pray that the Holy Spirit works in each of us. We have some announcements, I hope. Uh, just a reminder, Chris went through these. Just remind uh, all of us to think of ways that we can be involved in, in our VBS, a variety of ways we can serve and certainly connect with our community. So let's use that ministry to make a difference in our community. Uh, second, uh, just find a small group to be a part of. That's where we really, in a lot of ways, grow. 
we're able to strengthen one another and connect. So find, find a group or start a group, uh, if you will, uh, to bless uh, our connection as, as a body. And I think finally, I think, well, that's it. Okay. I thought there were three. Uh, Lord bless you, Aaron, as you celebrate and, and family uh, this milestone. And uh, we're kind of hoping you stay in the area, but you never know where you end up sometimes after you graduate. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful uh, for your word that guides us, your Holy Spirit that's within us. And Father, um, I just uh, pray that uh, we would think about uh, what binds us together and what motivates us as your church, as your family here. And I pray, Father, that each of us would uh, leave here uh, more resolved to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed uh, by minds that have been renewed by your word and by your Holy Spirit, and that people would see Jesus in us. Help us, Father, be more and more like him. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.